Hello, welcome to Locked on Sharks, the premier hockey podcast of your favorite team in the Bay Area. And on today's episode, we dive into another draft profile. We're going to start doing these twice a week now as we gear up towards the draft. Uh, Bo Akey of the Barry Colts. Brock Otten makes his Locked on Sharks debut. Uh, so we're going to dive into Akey. And then uh, Brock's going to give his take on the Carlson Smith and uh, Michkov debate. So all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Sharks. Your Locked On Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, J.D. Young, contributor at San Jose Hockey Now. I want to thank you for making Locked on Sharks your first listen. We're proudly a part of the Locked on Network, where we cover your team every day. And you can easily find us wherever you get podcasts and watch this on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see Dakota um, sitting here as well. It's a nice Dakota sleeping shots. But um, we have Brock Ottenon from uh, McKean's Hockey. He talks about Bo Akey and kind of a guy who's could be looked at as a potential pick at number 36 for the Sharks, um, but maybe more of a middle round guy. We will see. But Akey, uh, a raw, a lot of potential kind of toolsy guy who needs us to put it all together. So um, before we get into today's episode, do need to let you know that today's episode is brought to you guys uh, by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on. And when you enter promo code locked on NHL, they'll throw you in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. And now we bring on Brock Otten, uh, the director of scouting for McKean's Hockey, also on the OHL podcast with our bald king, uh, Tony Ferrari. Brock, how are you doing today, buddy? Good. Thanks for having me, JD. I do have to, off the top, um, do you guys fight over the bald king set? I, I've noticed, you know, uh, uh, Tony has pretty much laid claim. Are you, uh, are you pretty? It's a tough on- one. I feel yeah. like I abdicated the throne. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of just let them have it. I'm not really fighting over it. Is that is that a title worth fighting over? I'm not really sure. Uh, <laughs> it's something think, he 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 he's proud of. So I mean, yeah, I embrace my baldness, but uh, it's definitely uh, Tony's the king. I think. Yeah, uh, you know, I think with that one, it's probably better just to let ha- let Tony have it and not. It's you know, pick your battles, right? That's that's what they always say is pick your battles when it comes to uh, a partnership. And yeah, uh, that one doesn't seem like it's worth fighting over. So somebody who might be worth fighting over in the draft. Uh, look at that segue. Uh, one Bo Aiki, a defenseman out of the OHO, played last season with the Barry Colts. Uh, six foot, one hundred and seventy pounds, sixty six games, had eleven goals, thirty six assists, and a hundred and 29 shots on goal and Brock what makes Bo Aiki such a intriguing prospect yeah I think the main thing is his mobility he's one of the better skating players in the draft period not just defenders and when you've got a game where the foundation of his game is that movement and those movement qualities in today's NHL with how fast the pace is I think that makes him a very intriguing player He's a, he's a very modern day NHL defender and he's very raw. There mm-hmm. are a lot of components to his game that are going to require development. Uh, and that's why he's somebody who's rated in that sort of mid second, early third round range, maybe a little bit higher, maybe a little bit lower, depending on who you ask. But um, the mobility is 
the number one strength for for Bo. So, I mean, yeah, you, you kind of mentioned where there's a huge just kind of wide variety of these defensemen are kind of in that second round um, picks. And, you know, the Sharks have a 36 and they don't pick again until the late third. So it feels like if, if they potentially wanted to get him, they're going to have to take him with that number 36 pick. But, I mean, is he a guy who, uh, you know, you said he's a modern defenseman. Do you see him maybe potentially kind of sneaking up into the end of the first round? If there's a guy who team that just fall, I mean, all it does takes right is one team to fall in love with them, right? Yeah, you know what? Early on in the year, maybe halfway through the year, I would have said mm. yes. Um, I think he didn't have the greatest second half to the year. I think a lot of that had to do with Brett Clark coming back to Barry. It pushed him down the lineup, obviously, when you've got a player like Brant returning to the lineup. It's going to mean less power play time for Bo. It's going to mean less five-on-five time for Bo. Different kind of role for him. And yeah. I think he kind of struggled with that. Um, and I think that probably keeps him out of that first round range, whereas previously I might have said yes. I think that makes him more likely uh, a mid second or early second, depending on you know mm-hmm. how much value teams are putting on mobility from the back end. Right? You've got some really good skating defenders available in this draft. Uh, it's not the best draft year for defenders, but you have some very intriguing players. And I think the other thing, other thing too, with with Bo is that his upside is, is quite high. I don't think we quite know what he's mm. going to be, right? Like I, I mentioned the word raw, right? And he flashes really good puck skill and he's really good at holding the offensive blue line. He's a player who doesn't really know or, or hasn't really gained the confidence in using his skating ability to push and be that elite transporter, that guy who is is leading the attack in transition. And I think that's the big next step for Bo is can he be somebody who is an offensive leader from the back end or, you know, does he settle into more of like a two-way guy? Um, but, but that also means he's going to have to learn to use mobility better to defend. And mm-hmm. that's an area of his game that, um, you know, when we get into some of the weaknesses of his game that we'll talk about. So there's, there's a high upside. There's obviously some inherent risk there, but uh, I think a sort of mediocre second half, probably keeps him out of the first and probably in that range, like you said, where the Sharks are picking. All right. Uh, so, I mean, you mentioned Brent Clark, right? And Brent Clark will not be there next year because he's a very good player. And he's going to be in the NHL. Could you see maybe then the whoever picks him and maybe picking a, a guy who's maybe value is just a little bit too low and we're going to see a guy next year with Brent Clark's back? Uh, you know, I know Barry, they're losing like Ethan Cardwell, but probably still going to be a pretty a pretty good team next year maybe and then next year you kind of see that explosion offensively is that a, a potential with him i think 100 and it's interesting that you, you bring that up because my assistant director scouting derek newmeyer i don't know if you are familiar with derek's work but uh, he and i had a discussion about this the other day about the concept of do nhl teams draft based on a projection of where a player is going to fit into a lineup in mm-hmm. the next couple of years right are you going to draft a player high who's being blocked by another player, right? Or are you looking at those scenarios, those situations where there is a lot of runway for a player's ice time and responsibility to increase? And I think it's a really interesting concept and definitely one that fits Bo because, as you mentioned, Brant will be moving on and Bo will basically take over that role that he started the year in, right? Uh, Bo was the number one power play QB. He was the number one defenseman for Barry. And then when Brant returned, he moved into that second pairing role. And next year, he's going to slide back up. And hopefully, he's going to be more confident. 
hopefully another off season of development in terms of strength, quickness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All those athletic tools makes him a better player. Hopefully going to an NHL development camp, talking with an NHL development team um, members and, and, and scouts and, and players in that role uh, or personnel in that role, I should say, uh, makes him a better player too and gives him an understanding of the different ways that he can advance his game, right? So there's a lot of definitely, definitely a lot of things that go into it. Um, I know that's a long-winded answer for a simple, <laughs> simple question, and, and the answer is yes. I, I think there's a, a very large opportunity for Bo to develop into one of the better premier offensive defenders in the OHL next season, not not two years from now, yeah. next year. He's he's going to have a, a very good opportunity in Barry. Yeah, I mean, it's not quite the same, but like you look at like Sharks prospect Gannon Rock, right? When he was drafted in the fourth round, everybody was like, who's this guy? And then next year he got those first pair of minutes and, you know, kind of blew up. And a lot of Sharks fans are very, very intrigued by Gannon Larock going forward. I know this last season was, you know, hampered by injuries uh, with him, but you could kind of, you know, you you give a guy this potential um, and give him that opportunity and see what he does with it. So. All right, guys, before we continue our conversation with Brock, uh, we talk about kind of what uh, is maybe holding Aki back, where he kind of tops out at, as a defenseman. He gives a, a pretty good comp for, for Aki. Um, before we get into all that, do need to take a quick break. Talk to you guys about our new friends, uh, Bird Dogs. So right now, I am actually wearing my pair of bird dogs they sent me a, a pair and they're literally some of the most comfortable shorts i've ever had um great for uh, a perfect saturday short right yeah spend saturday morning with your doing you know soccer maybe you go to home depot uh maybe bed bath and beyond you'll see we got to see how the schedule looks so um but whatever you're doing they show the comfort and versatility for whatever you need to do so um literally again some of the most comfortable shorts i've ever worn they're super soft um super kind of flexible they got nice little zipper pockets so you don't have to worry about your stuff falling out um if you're you know at the pool at the beach or whatever you're doing you don't have to worry about that so um go check them out they're gonna make them super easy for you right now they're gonna give you a nice free yeti uh cup so if you go to birddogs.com slash lockdown nhl and enter the promo code locked on nhl they'll throw in a free custom bird dog yeti style tumbler with every order uh that way you keep your drink cold while you're at the pool so um again go check out bird dogs at birddogs.com use the promo code locked on nhl to get that free uh, yeti tumbler today you talked about his weaknesses, right, and how he kind of needs to continue to kind of grow and develop. So what do you think is going to be the one thing that really holds him back or potentially kind of, you know, uh, makes it so he doesn't reach his full potential? I think it's it's sort of twofold. I think the first thing is assertiveness, aggressiveness, whatever word you want to use. That's something that Bo doesn't have consistently right now. And we kind of – or I kind of mentioned that – He's somebody who's still learning to use his skating ability to be a, a premier offensive player. Mm. And I, I think part of that is just not being aggressive enough. He's not somebody who looks to consistently push across the opposing blue line. You know, he'll gain the neutral zone and and dump in or or defer or or look to make a pass um, to a streaking line mate coming down the wing. He's not somebody who is constantly pushing the pace the way that he can. And I think that will come. I think the more concerning thing is for a player who has such good mobility, yeah. he can have some very sloppy footwork in the defensive end because he's okay. just not playing aggressive enough. Um, he kind of looks like sometimes when he's 
defending transitional attacks, when he's defending pace, that he doesn't really know what to do. Uh, there's kind of like being caught in the middle where mm-hmm. he kind of caught standing still. He's just not moving his feet. And I think when he learns or hopefully when he learns to be more aggressive because his mobility is so strong, it'll make him so much better and more effective as a defensive player. And um, I think in the second half, we started to see a little bit more physical intensity from him, which is great. Um, And I think that as he gains strength, that will come. I'm not necessarily worried about that. I think it's just about learning to use that mobility to be somebody who is very quick to retrievals, quick to, you know, pin on the wall, quick to close down lanes and just, like I said, be more assertive. He doesn't have to necessarily be more physical. It's just getting those thick and lanes quicker and mm. really jumping up at the blue line to apply pressure instead of letting teams dictate pace. He should be the one that does that because of that strong forward way mobility, right? And then the other thing that I, I think it really needs to improve in his game is his puck management in the defensive end. He's somebody who I find has some bad habits not mm-hmm. not always incorporating shoulder checks into his game when he's when he's retrieving, um, and turnovers can be an issue. Four checks can be an issue for him, and that shouldn't be a problem for somebody who is an elite mover, right? There yep. there should be a, a trust there to take those right angles, take you know take better routes to those dump ins, so that he can get the play moving up the other way very very quickly. And there are times where he gets hemmed in where he really shouldn't be, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just going to be an experience thing. And I think that we see it, it's just not consistent. And when he's struggling, which I I found sometimes in the second half he was, it is because he's just not being assertive enough with the puck in his own end either, right? And the forecheck closes in on around him and he's not trusting his feet and he's not shoulder checking. And next thing you know, uh, it's a turnover, right? So again, um, I hope that sort of paints a picture of, the word that I was using with Bo, and, and that's raw, right? You've got this really, really athletic modern day defender who just has to tighten up a, a lot of components of his game. Like there's a very wide variety of outcomes when it comes to Bo in terms of his NHL projection. I mean, yeah. So it's like you said, raw, a lot of, a lot of tools, like you can see it there and it's just, it sounds like he just needs more reps. Like it's just a guy who just needs to play more and more hockey and um, continue to work on that stuff. But it, it does sound like a very intriguing player. I mean, I'm super intrigued by it. Um, you know, and hopefully if you, you work on that skate or he has the skating, but just utilizing his tools that he has. Right. And um, being that, and I know you said his projection is tough, but uh what type of defenseman do you project him to be when he gets to the NHL? I mean, you, if you have a comp, I'm more than love to hear a comp, but like, you know, is he, you said like, it, it feels like he could be an offensive. If he figures out his offensive game more, he could be an offensive mover, good two-way player. Like where, where do you kind of picture him landing eventually? Yeah. I mean, comps are always tough, right? It depends yeah. on who you ask, but one guy that kind of jumps out to me when, when I think of Aki and what he hmm. is probably most likely to become is TJ Brody. Okay. Um, I remember watching Brody with Windsor back in the day. Um, and he was a guy who didn't really understand how to use his mobility as well. Uh, it kind of took him a few years to really gain confidence in his transporting ability and his ability to play aggressively in the defensive end. And once that kind of got unlocked, we saw him become a, an elite defender at the OHL level and eventually a very good NHL defender and uh, more of like a two-way guy, but somebody who can move the puck mm-hmm. Um, it depends on the role that he's asked to play on his team, right? Like in Toronto, 
with Morgan Riley there, it's just not something that they're asking him to do. But yeah. early on in his career, right, when he was with Calgary, at, at times that was something that they were asking of him, right? And uh, I do think that that's probably the most likely outcome for Bo is somebody in that sort of like second pairing two-way role. Makes sense. All right. Um, so we know he's probably going to be uh, in the OHL for a couple of years and, you know, defensemen do take a little bit longer to marinate type of thing. So probably looking about four years, you would expect before he's really kind of making it an NHL impact. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. I, I would agree with that. I think very rarely do you see CHL defenders make that jump from yep. two years right to the NHL level. Or, or even one year, that's even more rare, right? So yeah. especially when they're not uh, a top five, top 10 pick, right? They're, these players are being selected in the second, third, fourth round for a reason. It's because mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that they need to work on. And I think Bo um, is that player. And I, I think that at minimum, minimum, you're probably looking at, you know, two more years in the OHL and at least a year in the AHL before he's ready. Um, and maybe, maybe more, maybe if... He's the type of guy that when he goes pro, when he turns pro, it's kind of like starting the clock again. Now yep. he has to gain the confidence to adjust to the pace of the pro level. And it takes a few years for him to really do that. And then, you know, he's ready to step into an NHL lineup or maybe it comes quickly for him. So I would probably put it anywhere between like three and five. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, with, with Aiki, right, you, you feel like you're getting a, a solid player. What he's kind of the worst case scenario for him is it just, he just never kind of puts it together and is always that like toolsy guy that GMs kind of talk themselves into and like, Oh, I can fix them and just never kind of gets it together. Yeah. 100%. I mean, uh, worst case scenario, those tools just don't come together. He ends up being, you know, a solid junior player, junior mm -hmm. defender, but one of those guys who doesn't have anything elite outside of the feet. Um, mm -hmm. And unfortunately you need at least a couple sort of high-end qualities, right? So I think that's the worst-case scenario for sure. All right, guys, uh, before we finish up, we start talking about Michkov and Smith and Carlson, um, and Brock gives his input on who he would pick if he was uh, general manager Mike Greer. Um, do want to uh, thank you guys for making Locked On Sharks your first listen. We're, again, proudly a part of the Locked On Network. We cover your team every day. Um if you want to be an everyday or all you got to do is just come back next week, we're going to be talking trades next week. So I'm uh, going to look at potential trades with the 26 pick. Maybe if the Sharks want to, instead of uh, using that as draft, maybe they want to kind of kickstart the rebuild, looking at some potential free agent or RFA targets, uh, you know, some potential guys who might be on the out. So we're going to be talking about trades next week. Uh, start looking at Eric Carlson, potential trades, and then more draft profiles. As Again, we're going to be doing two of these a week between now and the draft. So uh, again, just make sure you guys are following along wherever you get podcasts. And of course, watch on YouTube as well. All right. Uh, before we get you out of here, wanted to kind of switch to some uh, broader NHL talk, and I'm going to ask uh, you what I've been kind of asking all uh, the the uh, public scouts recently. So the Sharks at the fourth pick, um, probably going to be choosing between one uh, or two of these three between Leo Carlson, Matt Vaymichkov, and Will Smith. Uh, you are now GM uh, Mike Greer. What are you doing? Who, who are they taking at three? That's what I'm asking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I'm just playing devil's advocate here, yeah. right? Like, uh, you know, realistically, San Jose is going to have 
an easier choice than that because one of those guys is going to go at three, right? Yep. Um, personally, I think I would lean Will Smith. Um, okay. He's somebody that I saw just massive improvement from over the course of, of this year. Early on in the year, I felt that he was somebody who sometimes disappeared a little bit when physical intensity increased. I felt like there were times where his puck management wasn't terrific. Uh, yeah, that term hero puck gets thrown around a lot, right? And he's somebody yep. who's so skilled that turnovers, especially in the offensive zone and the neutral zone, were a problem as he would just try to force plays instead of just trusting his line mates. And over that second half, we really saw that Perot and Leonard and Smith line feast, dominate, whatever synonym you want to use, right? And I think a big reason for that was the development of Smith as sort of an overall offensive player. And I wasn't sold at the beginning of the year. I, I would say like up to about like December or January, I actually mm. preferred Oliver Moore and I actually preferred Ryan Leonard to Will mm. Smith. Um, I just felt like their qualities maybe were more likely to succeed at the pro yep. level. Um but I, I just think that Will developed really well. I think he improved on every area that he needed to improve on. And we saw that sort of culminate with that dominating performance at the U18s, where he was, in my opinion, clearly the best player at that tournament and obviously was awarded as such as, as the tournament MVP. And I think that when you're looking at San Jose, right, you're looking at a team that it's winning the cup next year. No, I'm <laughs> I, I mean, I like the optimism, but <laughs> no, they're they're gonna be bad. I'm I'm one hundred percent on board of them being yeah, bad for as long I, as possible. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of players that I think would really fit in with mm -hmm. what San Jose is building currently. And I think the skill of of Will and his on puck play, I think is something that San Jose and any team can can really use to elevate the play of the players around them, right? And yeah. I look at Matvey Mishkov, and I I think of one the inherent risk there, right? Yep. Um, yeah, okay, he fits within San Jose's timeline. They're probably not going to be competing for a cup for at least a half decade, um, and and Matvey takes three years to come over. So be it, right? I I think yep. a lot of that is overblown because most of these guys are not going to be impact players for three or four years anyway, right? Yep. So I think that is an overblown component. But when I look at how he might fit into San Jose. I look at him being like a really, really, really good complimentary piece. Maybe not as a sure as sure of a thing as a play driver as Will is. Okay. Um, I think that Matt Vey's play on the puck in terms of the the decisions that he makes, I think are not as refined as Will. I think his off puck understanding of spacing and things like that are not as refined as Will. I think both of them are, are never going to be high-end two-way players. Um, that's definitely a drawback that's, compared uh, my, to Carlson, right? Where yeah. you've got Leo, who does project as a really solid overall two-way player, right? And mm. that is also something that I think San Jose could use, right? And so it's a toss-up. Uh, the one thing that I've heard people talk about, and I'm sure it's something that people have mentioned in this response on your podcast is, you know, which, which of these guys is most likely to stay at center between Will Smith and, and Leo Carlson, because that's obviously going to make them a, a more valuable player. And yep. I think the answer is, I don't think there's, there's a sure thing that either of them 
stay down the middle. Mm. Uh, I think that Leo is definitely more likely to stay at center, in my opinion. Um, mm. But I don't think it's like a 100% slam dunk. And I think that's really what separates Adam Fantilli from this group is yeah. he's somebody who is definitely going to be a, a play driving center, uh, play driving two-way physical center at the NHL level. And I think that's why he's just so clearly the number two for, for me anyway. Um, whereas the rest of these guys, I really don't know if they end up being centers long-term, right? Will Smith, you look at him like maybe like Tre Trevor Zegers, right? Somebody yeah. who, you know, has played center, but, with Anaheim adding Fantilli now into the fold, I assume anyway, adding Adam Fantilli into the fold, and yeah, likely pushes, right. Yeah. They've already got McTavish. You've got the two of them, probably Zegras slides to the wing. Yep. Um, he's already done that a bit in his pro career. And, and I would assume it, it happens more long-term now. So is that sort of the future for Will Smith as well? I do think that they're, they're kind of similar players, right. Uh, in terms of their strengths and weaknesses. Um, so, I kind of getting back to to my answer here. I would lean Will, and okay. uh, I think that if I had to pick a second choice, it would be Leo. I think it'd be between the two of them. Uh, I just don't know if I like the the fit for Michkov in, in San Jose, and uh, at least compared to the other two, makes sense. I mean, um, my motto though is the mantra on this podcast is defense is for nerds. Uh, just go score. Uh, that's been my mantra, uh, especially since Eric Carlson showed up. Uh, just defense is for nerds. Go score a bunch of goals and you'll be fine. So, uh, but no, I mean, you, 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 when you're picking there, you, we're nitpicking, right? And you'd be happy. The Sharks will be happy with whoever they get here, but that's part right. of the game, right? Is nitpicking these guys here. And, uh, you know, it, it's been, I've had Tony who's been very much uh, like, you know, Leo Carlson. Um, I just had Hattie who was like, they should draft Michkov. And now I got you saying Will Smith. So I'm getting the nice gamma. And again, whoever the Sharks pick here, you're going to be really happy with uh, going forward. So um, I asked one more kind of quick question about the draft here. So which guy kind of in the, in the back end of the first round, which guy is being kind of underrated or we're going to look back in five years and go, uh, wow, how did this guy get slide all the way to here? Which guy, wh who's your kind of personal guy? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think um, the answer to this kind of is related to what I mentioned with Will Smith, right? Mm -hmm. One thing that I really, really look at for the draft and projecting players is that progression over the course of a season. Yep. And one guy that I felt really did that, and I think we're seeing that reflected in rankings now, is David Edstrom from Sweden. Okay. I think when I watched him early on in the year, I saw a good player, but I didn't see somebody that I thought could be more than like a quality third liner, more than like a Adam Lowry type at the NHL level. And I think that the skill components of his game and his ability to drive play really, really improved over the course of the season, um, basically in all the major tournaments that Sweden played in. And I think we saw that culminate with a really strong U18 performance for him. And I think that him and, and a guy like uh, Anton Wahlberg, another teammate on Sweden, I think those two guys are the type of athletic, bigger, skilled guys that the NHL teams are really starting to focus on developing now mm -hmm. because we're starting to see these are the kind of guys that you win in the playoffs with, right? Um, we're kind of seeing that right now with with Dallas, right? With yep. with how Rupi Heinz is playing, right? Like there's a guy who was drafted with that sort of projection, um, that athleticism, right? And 
uh, I think we're seeing it across the board from from other teams, right? Uh, there's that focus on let's draft really good athletes and see how the other components of their game come together. And when you progress really well over the course of even a half season and show mm -hmm. that you're already taking those steps, I think that's really, really important. So I, I would say the two Swedish guys in Edstrom and, and Wolberg are, are two guys that I think when we look back on this draft, may be undervalued. All right. Get out of here with the last two questions. Uh, question number one, five years from now, the non-Connor Bedard, who's the best player in the draft? Ooh, uh, that's a tough one. Um, I, I'm probably going to say Will Smith. Okay. Uh, I do think so. I don't think that oh, better than Fantilli. Yeah, I think Adam is going to be a really, really good player, mm -hmm. but I don't think. I think it's more likely that we find somebody after Bedard that ends up being a better NHL player than Fantilli. I just think he's such a sure thing to be. Yeah an impact player in some regard, you know, maybe it's like a consistent 55, 60 point guy who plays in all situations and is somebody who wears a letter and, you know, is yep. really important for your team. But maybe when you look back at the draft, they're, they're like the fifth, sixth best player taken or the fourth best player, not that number two. So that's sort of like why I would probably lean towards somebody like Smith. And I, I don't think any of the defenders from this class are going to be in the conversation for that. I think there's going to be a lot of good defensemen, mm -hmm. But I don't think there's anybody that I would say ends up being an elite NHL defender, even guys like Ryan Backer and Sandy Palika. Um, yeah, I, I would probably lean Will Smith. I think that would be my, my number one choice for that answer. All right. And then last question. Where does Bo Aiki get drafted? What pick? Ooh, okay. Uh, 47. 47. That would be to the... Nashville Predators, who all they need is just another defenseman to throw in their pipeline and just crank them out. That's what they do. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense, right? Uh, yeah, Brock, you said it all. Where can the people find you? Yeah, so uh, on Twitter at Brock Otten. Uh, we've got the podcast with Tony on the Hockey News where we cover the OHL. And Just listen to Brock's parts. and I fast-forward through Tony's parts. So I guess, uh, That's kind of the feedback that I've gotten that most <laughs> people do. So I don't know. It's only a matter of time before it's just one bald guy. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no. So, yeah, you got our, our THN on the O podcast, which uh, we, we're running up on 30 episodes now, which is great. So thank everybody for uh, for following along so far and my work at McKean's we've got our draft guide releasing first week of June probably we're we're just starting work we've just finalized our our final list if you will and now mm -hmm. starting to work on all the the meat of of the draft guide so you can look for that at the beginning of June I also have my own website OHL prospects which I've had for um about 15 years where I just cover the OHL so I'll be releasing my final rankings for just the OHL guys on that uh, probably in the next two or three weeks. And I'll have my, my new poll that I always do uh, as well. Brock, thanks so much, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me, JD. It's fun. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Brock. Um, really interesting that he went Smith there. We, we've been, you know, a lot of people, the majority of people have been Carlson, Michkov, um, Will Smith, you know. I know the defense there, you guys know me, defenses for nerds go score a bunch of points. Um, but, you know, again, as, as we've talked about before, no matter who they pick between, if they pick one of those three players, you're walking away. You're going to feel really good about who they pick. Um, there's plenty of, of question marks with, with, with Mitrov that I understand. You know, Leo Carlson 
probably is going to go to Columbus, but um, you know, maybe, maybe Will Smith's there again, really fun. As for Bo Aki, um, you know, I, I, I'm really intrigued to see kind of with Brent Clark gone, if he is a guy who can really kind of see what we saw, you know, kind of develop into the guy that we saw at the beginning of the season. Um, Brent Clark is really good reason why he was picked eighth in the draft and the Kings are going to get another just amazing player because that's what the Kings do. They draft good players all the time. So, um, but Bowicki, I think he's going to be in the mix for the sharks at 26. Maybe if they move down potentially um, with that pit or not 26, sorry, 36. If the, if the sharks move down from 36 or maybe they package up and want to move up and, you know, and so plenty of draft capital that they can kind of do whatever they want in this draft. So, um, Thanks again to Brock for joining the show. Thanks again to you guys for making Locked On Sharks your first listen. Uh, again, we'll be back on Monday. We're going to kickstart our trades week, looking at some of the different potential trades. Um, you know, everybody loves talking trades. So got to look at realistic targets for uh, free agents. You know, maybe some uh, if the Sharks want to do some salary cap, uh, you know, eat some salary cap for people and try to gain some more. Um, Matt Murray, I'm looking at you. Um Maybe we'll, and then we'll talk about Eric Carlson, who of course is going to, is the big trade target out there. So um, again, make sure you guys follow along wherever you get podcasts. uh, And you can also follow um, the show on YouTube as well. If you haven't already follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at locked on sharks, follow me on Twitter at my fry hole. And until Monday, bye friends.